coming to you live from the Gunsthal. Uh, this is Operator Radio um, sitting in an exhibition called Black Album White Cube. Uh, and I have to say, this is my first time out in uh, a, a, a gathering with more than three people, I would say. It feels a bit strange and alien. Um, but I'm very happy to be here and to uh, have uh, two wonderful guests at the table uh, who are uh, Max Dax sitting next to me uh, in black, who is the guest curator of this show. And then across from me, uh, at least two meters away from me, is George Wusler, uh, also known as DJ Distortion, and uh, is the founder of the Rotterdam hardcore scene uh, with his Rotterdam Terrorcore. I would say so. You can take that credit. A bit. A bit. <laughs> hey, um, is it strange for you guys? Is this the first time that you're out since the our, our intelligent lockdown? It's my first uh, trip out of Berlin, for sure. Uh, but I've been here now for nine, six days, six days, building up the exhibition and I enjoyed Rotterdam very much. I've been often to Rotterdam, not least because of Rotterdam Terrorcore, because I really uh, am a big fan of uh, Chaba music and um, also of Euromasters, and they all also play a role in my exhibition. So it's great to be here. It's great that the lockdown has been a bit eased, that mm. travel is possible again. And, and to get all this material together uh, in, a, in a time that was quite difficult. I wanted to maybe start with you, Max. Um, you, you're a journalist, you are a curator. This is actually part of a, a traveling exhibition uh, that I think the first show was in Hamburg right. uh, last year. Um, and I was wondering, uh, uh, when you were asked to do this show at the Kunsthal, uh, what kind of new decisions did you need to make? What was the... Ultimate, what do you want to show Dutch people when we're talking about art and music and, and the hybrid forms that exist? Well, basically, it's the same approach like in Hamburg when the show was still called Hyper, like Hyper Hyper from, from Scooter. Um, I, was, here, here I was sorry to have that title lost, actually. I thought it was uh, yeah, also quite fitting. There were, were uh, exhibitions here at the Kunsthalle in Rotterdam that were called Hyper Realism, and uh, we did want to avoid. Uh, that you could mix them up so we we said we need a new title and I, as always I see it as a chance and not as a fault so so we soon came up with a new title the Black Album White Cube sounded to me uh, good because the Black Album for me stands um, Prince's Black Album that he has withdrawn from the market a week prior to its release so it became a sought after uh, original he did this in an act of empowerment self-empowerment like he said i'm not here to entertain you i'm here i'm, I'm an artist i do my own decisions and if i want to draw back uh, the album then it's my artistic decision and i really respect su such uh, uh, decisions and um, so uh, coming back to your question is uh, basically it's the same approach like in hamburg mm. um, uh, this exhibition shows only uh, art that would not exist without the influx of music, full stop. The second aspect of this show is that every um, painting, every sculpture, every installation, every video that, that you can see here has been uh, made in dialogue. The artist in dialogue with music, but also the artist in dialogue with the curator. So this is a highly personal show. And being here in Rotterdam, I wanted to um, 
let's say, push a bit the aspect that Rotterdam and the Netherlands have also a high impact on on art and on, on music. So, so we have works by Anton Corbijn here and we have works by Albert Oehlen that are directly referring to Euromasters and to Rotterdam. And we have uh, famous works, uh, Gababiches and uh, Gabas, or Gabas and Gababiches, from And Now Forgive My uh, Dutch that has become rusty a bit in, over these years. I think I mispronounced them by uh, Elie Uttenberg and uh, Ari Versluis. Please correct me. You're, you're, you're very close. All right. It's Fine the Versluis and the Uitenberg, but it's uh, All right. very close. Next, next time, yeah. But yeah, George, you walked through the exhibition just now. Do you hear what, what Max is saying? Yeah. Do you, and do you feel that the... Because of course, it's still a translation. It's a translation of when you look at the work of, of Ari and Ellie, for instance, yeah. it's a staged version or, uh, of of Gabber. Uh, I mean, it looks like it's a documentation because, you know, they portrayed real youngsters from that scene, but it's still very much staged and it, it is a translation. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's really funny for me to see it once again. Um, I remember the, I think it was the United Colors of Benetton that had the same sort of uh, uh, promotional campaign going on at the time. And For us Gabbers, everything that you can steal from the mainstream and own it is perfect. So uh, at the beginning you had some guys who said it's too artsy, and, uh, but now everybody embraces it because it's a stamp of the past. It's so cool to see it. And I just, after all these years, I just recognized uh, a guy who is a DJ now, DJ Psycho. He's also on that poster, but he has such a young face, I didn't recognize him, just saw it. Yeah, because, I mean, it's 25 years. Yeah, um, yeah. 1996, yeah. And, and even before that, of course, it wasn't cloned as Gabber yet yeah. or as hardcore yet. Uh, um, I mean, there were other... Actually, I come from a punk background, yeah. and we had punk hardcore. And I remember when Gabber just made its way to the scene, I was like, that's not hardcore. What we have is hardcore. So it was, you know, when, when that time came around and there was this form of electronic music that actually resonated a lot with my subculture. Yeah. Um, But, but, but didn't I you also say folk can be hardcore as long as it's hardcore? Everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, yeah but I, I, can, uh, I can elaborate on your uh, point about hardcore and punk and hardcore gabber. Uh, at the time, uh, it started to get already in 1996, 97, it already started to become a little bit commercial, the name gabber. So a lot of artists, they said, okay, fuck this, we're going to do hardcore. We're going to call it hardcore. Because... Uh, you had, of course, the track, I'm hardcore to the bone, and everything with words, words for the Dutch people with the word like hard and hardcore, and it was perfect. So a lot of guys didn't embrace Gabber anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, only because of the commercial side of it. Of it. Well, and then uh, that's actually because, Max, that's where I would like you to add to the Uh, conversation as well. When we talk about the, the art that we see around us here at the Kunsthal, a lot of it of course stems from those subcultures that are very much about DIY and, and you know, kind of uh, uh, pushing against the mainstream and pushing themselves out of basically the, the, the white cube setting that we're sitting in right now. So how how does that translation work? And, and Is it something that we just sit here and observe, or is it, uh, for instance, for you, you know, George, is it something that you kind of feel uncomfortable? Does it make you uncomfortable, or isn't that no, the case? Uh, I think it's 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 really cool. 
You get it. You get um, um, yeah, I, okay. I also am an artist, so I really like to play. Mm-hmm. So the, seeing all all the art um, that that without music would not exist. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, makes your creation uh, your crea- creational juices flowing, and that's 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 something. Yeah, that's for me. Yeah. So. Yeah, to answer your question, I mean, the, 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 the exhibition basically starts in the year 1987 um, and it goes into now and into the future, actually. It reaches out into the future and I could tell you also why. But um, if, if in 1987 the internet wasn't really there, I mean, it was there but nobody used nobody it used and it. emails were not there and uh, smartphones were not there. So basically uh, in the last yeah. 40, uh, 30 33 years, a lot of things have changed and have become common that you could not dream of or think of in 1987. And um, in 1987, my dialogue with the artists and the musicians started. That's why the exhibition starts there, as simple as that. And basically, you can see, of course, uh, on a number of uh, positions. And of course, um, if you look at the year when these uh, artworks have been created, that with every year that is Um, coming, uh, how do you say it, every new year, the the influx of social media, of the internet and of uh, electronic media becomes more and more apparent. And I think it's absolutely obvious in in, in a piece like um, Arthur Jaffer's uh, Apex, where uh, where, where Arthur Jaffer is using hundreds of images that he has taken from the internet, but he hasn't done this randomly. Mm -hmm. It's a new a way of describing the history of pop and the history of pop music from an Afro-American perspective. And when I was asking uh, Arthur Jaffer in uh, three years ago when we were preparing, uh, the f- doing the first steps for the Hamburg exhibition, I was asking him if I could get exactly that piece. Mm. Um, and he said yes, because he liked the, in, uh, the, the context of music and art. And now, three years later his work has become so so intensely uh, current it's so contemporary at the moment because we now are facing uh, uh, p- uh, r- racial riots in in america and police violence and we are having the covid uh, crisis and when you take a look at this this uh, video where he took all these images from the internet we see images of viruses of bacterias in th- these yeah. are, and we see images of police violence, of race riots, and it has become so frighteningly uh, current uh, that I almost start to cry when I, when, when I yeah. say this. I, I had the same experience when I saw the work. And, and George, I mean, you for you, of course, your work has changed drastically. At least, you know, Max has the... Uh, uh, at least you had a chance to build an exhibition here, but your field is not going to come together for... A while to come, I would say. I mean, if we, if we look at the expectations, uh, the, the mention of festivals is maybe summer of 2021. Yep, they maybe. hope, they hope. Maybe, exactly. With your work going into completely into the digital, um, do you think that that is going to um, change the way that people, you know, listen to the music, deal with the music, live the subculture? How can we live a subculture if we can't be in the same space together and share the same ideas? Yeah, it's um, it's our scene is now based on memories, and on videos of really cool parties and festivals, and uh, all the artists have time now, so you can expect loads and loads of music, but 
the, the, yeah, the downside is also a lot of artists are, are struggling financially and also crea- uh, on, on the creative side. Um, not to play your music in front of a crowd is, is yeah, it's devastating for your, for your creativity. Yeah. And that's something that uh, a lot of artists are struggling with for now. And for uh, the, the COVID situ- situation, um, it's, it's, for, it's so hard. It's, it's really bad for our scene or the complete, it's a, it's a billion or a four billion euro uh, 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 thing that's, that's happening now. Everybody's losing money and everybody's afraid that they cannot play anymore. Although there's also the and, sense and of... Uh, yeah, go ahead. Just, just let me interrupt. I mean, we are talking about uh, the exhibition opening here also. I mean, I invited uh, George to play tonight. He was supposed to give a concert here tonight at the Kunsthal, T- Rotterdam Terrorcore at the Kunsthal. I thought this is a great and matching thing and it's forbidden now for obvious reasons mm. and we all have to respect that. But uh, it's such a pity because it was my personal wish to, to have him here play because this would have meant two worlds collide. I wanted to say, is that, is that also the, the fact that you, uh, as an outsider, have found your way into this formalized context of a museum, but then you can bring that underground that you love, you know, so much in or... Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're, this is a very good point that you are uh, uh, focusing on now. Because, I mean, when, when I was asked to do the, the exhibition in Hamburg, um, they explicitly wanted someone who's not from the art world. They, they have seen hundreds of, of exhibitions that were made by art people, art historians, art scientists, etc. Um, professional art people. And when they do uh, exhibitions about music, they sometimes lose the point. They, they see music as if it was art, but music is not art. And so it needs maybe a different point of view. And, um, and that's, that was maybe the thing that I brought in, a, a, mm. a, a, a view on music that is not usual in, 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 in museums. Uh, yeah, I agree. Although I have to think about if, is music not art? Uh, in that sense, no music. Of it's course, art, is art. It's but an it's art form, but it's also the the way in it within it's performed. And it's funny because we had a discussion about electronic music, whereas with rock music, um, you have this idea that 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 was always you know it started underground and then it moved up. But with electronic music, it's actually the other way around. So if we're talking about you know the the uh, up and coming of Gabber or hardcore, um, that started in the 60s with people like Cage or Dick Reimachers, uh, who developed this electronic sounds in labs and for galleries. You know, if you look at the Fluxus movement, who are already very much involved with electro- early forms of electronic music, that was music for galleries. And that actually transported itself into the underground. Interesting point. But uh, I think the, 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 the most... In, in, uh, important thing here is that music is invisible. Mm-hmm. So if you want to uh, uh, exhibit music, you basically have an empty room with sound waves that are not visible. So you need your ears, which is fine. Um, but um, people often over, overlook that the, uh, the, the existence of sound waves can be visualized in so many ways. I mean, there's this work by Peter Seville here in, in, in the exhibition. It's a black album, again, with the white lines on it, nothing else. It's a total piece of art, in a way. And the, everybody asks himself or herself, what are these white lines? And it's the pulsar uh, 
image. And the pulsar is the sound of a dying star, of a dying sun. And it's a, um, it's a signal that is coming from the black hole that is left from the dying star. And it's very accurate. So it's space-time. And uh, what Peter did, he, he visual, I mean, he did not visualize it, but he put it on a record cover. So it's basically the core of the exhibition in this black square with the pulsar image. Exactly. And then it became an art in itself because that is also of that relationship, I think, between graphic design and music. Of course, when you look at the, at the graphic design or the graphic identity um, that you guys have, that plays an, a, a huge role. And it's not just you guys. If you look at, at uh, for instance, the influence of uh, the logo of the wizard, um, you know, uh, what that impact has had that small design which has become uh you know a, a global sign for uh a certain type of music it was uh the the wizard was created by a french graffiti artist yeah in the 1991 i guess and it was uh showcased in a book about graf graffiti and the guys from idnt i think his name was eric uh, he uh Yeah, he, he said he, he, he admitted it oh. much in the documentary. Because yeah. who who designed your skull logo? Uh, uh, that's uh, Patrick Moorland, mm. and uh, he's uh, he's uh, the most unknown famous uh, artist. Uh, he did um, all the big logos from the hardcore scene at the time. That because yeah, he, he knew everybody. He also was uh, uh, an, an artist who also made music. He was also. Uh, at the beginning of uh, Rotterdam Terracore. And then uh, after one year, he, um, he just left because he was more an artist, a uh, uh, graphic artist than, than a musical artist. And he, uh, his, his last um, um, mega orders were um, uh, doing the complete uh, look and feel of Tomorrowland. Mm. He did that for 10 or 15 years in a oh. row. Oh. So yeah, it, it was almost a day job for him, so. That's quite huge. But I was thinking, it, in the beginning for you guys, did, did vi the visual aspect or the visual identity, did it come immediately into play? Was it something that you had to um, think of? Or did he approach you, for instance, to say, like, hey, you guys need a logo. You don't have anything yet. No, it's, uh, in the beginning, we just, yeah, we, <laughs> we messed around. <laughs> it was just fun. Uh, we, uh, there was a German guy called Thorsten Stenzel. Uh, he was DJ Sakin at the time. I don't know if you remember. He had a... a Huge hit at the time, and yeah, he, um, we we had a good contact with him about music, and he said, uh, um, "I want to do something with Gabber, uh, something like the he was from Frankfurt, the Frankfurt Terror Corporation." That sounded nice, and I said, uh, and I said to him, uh, "Okay, um, yeah, we we will work on something from Rotterdam." Uh, I had more with military stuff, so I said, "We're gonna do uh, Rotterdam Terror Corps." Like the Marine Corps. Oh, oh, there you go. And th that's how uh, actually the the logo also um, yeah, was founded yeah, because Marine Corps. Okay, uh, our logo is a skull wearing yeah. headphones, and it looks a bit like the Punisher. But there you go. There you go. And and again, worldwide impact. I mean, I saw the. Um, I did, of course, did a little bit of research before uh, talking to you guys, and there I saw this very nice little noisy documentary with uh, you showing off all the tattoos that people had sent you that they put <laughs> on various body parts. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's great. Hey, back to the exhibition and back to, to art as music. There was something interesting that was said in the panel yesterday, um, which is that currently um, subcultures are actually disappearing. And in the sense that it's more about identity than 
about subcultures. Are subcultures disappearing? Do you agree with that or do you still see? That's an interesting way of, of seeing it. I, I mean, we all noticed that there's the so-called long tail. Mm. Like that, we call it also tribalization. That uh, because of the internet and because of social media, you can do basically whatever you want. You don't need a label anymore. You can do it yourself, do DIY. So basically, um, there's no filter anymore. There's no doorkeeper anymore. I mean, in the past, you had to apply for a record. You had to send in a demo tape, and then you were worried if you get a record contract or not. Now you just produce your, your music and put it on band camp or whatever and and it's available and um, of course great if you have a record contract not so not so bad if you don't and things uh, uh, it's more erratic uh, nowadays how things uh, work but to say there's no subculture anymore i wouldn't say that mm -hmm. maybe i mean it maybe it's more of a sampling that actually the sampling which is also an apparent theme in the exhibition is something that happens now not just with music but also uh, within visual arts but also it may be with younger people with their own identity that it's far more easier and maybe more acceptable to you know sample a bit of golf and sample a bit of skater exactly, exactly. and sample a bit of hardcore and then you well, make your own identity uh, the 20th century was the the century of the collage and now we i think in the first 20 years of the new uh, 21st century we are in a, in a situation where we are all recalibrating um, because the technical evolution is going so fast. I mean, yesterday's smartphone is today's uh, um, uh, yeah yesterday's thing. I mean, uh, and um, uh, we we are not fast enough to to mm -hmm. cope with with the new with the new uh, uh, inventions. And um, and still, I mean, th this is also something this this exhibition tries to 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 show that all these new uh, medias, um, they lead to new ways of doing art and, and important art, as mm. in the case with, with Arthur Jaffer, but also so many other um, uh, examples gathered here in the exhibition. And of course, yeah, but I don't know if these people say they belong to a subculture. Maybe they are, as you say, individual artists who, who, who try to find figure out really what their identity is and to go yeah. from there. Yeah, and then I was also thinking about this balance, but maybe that's also my, my own perception, of course, of, of the work that has been shown. Um, because I was wondering, do you did you think of an audience uh, when it came to this exhibition? No, no. Or is it it's really your story? It's the it's a story of the art of course, the themes that are displayed throughout the exhibition as well, but it is your story. Then. Well, yes, yes and no. I mean, it's my story, but it's basically my, it's the story of the people I'm asking questions. Mm -hmm. So basically, I ask a certain specific kind of artists and musicians questions. Musicians and artists who are aware that what is called appropriation in art is called sampling in, in music, so basically people who, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in artists who also listen to music. And I'm interested in musicians who are, who are also interested in the arts and architecture and all the other disciplines. So basically that's probably one of the common threads in the, in the um, exhibition. But... Yeah, I mean. Yeah. No, I was, and of course, there's so many that that tradition of bands being formed in art school, you know, uh, uh, apparent. But I was wondering. We, I was standing in front of.
Maybe I should add here um, uh, another idea. Uh, I was oh, so you yeah, we can I'm hear you yeah. again. No, another thing, uh, talking about audiences. Um, I was, um, of course, impressed by this new trend that if you do exhibitions about famous musicians, suddenly a lot of people who never go or rarely ever go to museums go into the White Cube. And, um, and sometimes museums treat these people uh, with a snobbish arrogance. You know, they, they write texts that nobody can understand, etc. Which is fine, which is mm -hmm. fine, because it's also a science But um, but I think when you when you go into a foreign uh, foreign house and foreign uh, territory, uh, it is also a way of welcoming people to make it accessible and understandable. Yeah. So what we did, for instance, with the catalog was that I interviewed each and every artist participating, and it's a spoken word thing. It's a question and answer thing, just like we are talking now here, and. Uh, You understand spoken words, you understand interviews, you understand conversations much easier than scientific texts. So basically, when we are talking about audiences, I wanted to include mm -hmm. people who rarely go to museums and that they feel welcome. George, do you ever, do you go to museums regularly? Last January for the last time, yeah, as I told you, yeah. but that was mm. for, uh, for a video clip, that was at the Rotterdam uh, Museum. So uh, that, w that was pretty yeah. nice, pretty fun. Did you feel welcome here? Is this? Um, yeah. 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 It's uh, um, when I go abroad. Um, in the past, we always uh, try to uh, go to anything that has to do with art. Mm. When we were in Japan, we were um, looking for uh, the coolest temples, uh, the the weirdest streets with the, the most funny lights and uh, the funny Japanese English signs. You know that's. We were on a mission uh, for that, so that that was uh, that was fun. But I also um, I really enjoy graffiti. That's also mm. something I'm always looking for. Which, of course, is also still an art form that is within the institution institutional hierarchy of museum is still very much looked down to, which is kind of strange. But it that's why I think the beauty of this exhibition is that you really see this hybrid of you know the artist musician and I think that the scene and what you've done so well with this exhibition is really uh, have this display of this marriage that has always been there and that for you know the people that are living within these cultural scenes it's so it's part of their life you know the, the fact that Kim Gordon is uh, an amazing painter who also, you know, worked with the likes of Mike Kelly, but then went on to be part of this amazing scene in New York um, where everybody would just meet. And I think that's and the being same. the singer and bass player of Sonic Youth. Yeah. 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 I mean, no, but it, in the sense that she was part of this scene that was always a mix of both artists, musicians, dancers, performers. And I think for, you know, every underground, every DIY scene, it is the same. It's a, a group of people that meet because there's not another place for them to meet. Uh, and I think that shows that for this That truly action. was a subculture in New York and Manhattan. Exactly. And you can also see this on the record covers of or record sleeves of Sonic Youth, where Kim Gordon uh, ha uh, picked uh, an artist for every new Sonic Youth cover. You can actually call it an exhibition that went over the, the decades Uh, uh, where she where she um, exhibited people like Raymond Pettibone or 
um, Richard Prince. Richard Prince was also yeah. here, and yeah. the Nurse album is also here. Exactly. Which is really good. Yeah. So, so um, she she did a, did a great job, I think, also like introducing a lot of uh, formerly unknown artists mm. to to an uh, to an audience that comes from music and is not primarily interested in in in, in art. Art. Doing the other way around as well, because the work that you're displaying here by Gordon is actually uh, a, f uh, a triptych of paintings, uh, and they all depict the name of a noise band exactly um, so you're bringing that that unknown factor back which I really like but I was wondering and maybe that's uh, uh, the last question because we only it's so bad we only have 30 minutes and then but then I'm very happy that we're going to give the stage to DJ Marcella because I haven't seen her in a long time and I'm so happy she's here to play records um, but maybe I'll save my question because it's a critical question. I don't want to end this thing on a, on a negative note. But I was standing in front of it and I was like thinking to myself, I'm a, I'm a Kim fan. I'm a yeah. very much a Kim fan girl. Am I liking this work because it's Kim, the woman that I admire so much? Or do I actually really like the work? And then I kind I of think got you like confused. The work. Yeah. I think because I'm very aware of the fact that uh, every, every single artwork exhibited here in the in the exhibition has to stand its ground its autonomy yeah, exactly. autonomous and um, to have a strong conceptual idea behind an artwork not always means that the artwork on the white wall will survive or will have that power or gravity but I think when you walk into a room and especially when, when Kim Gordon's work is surrounded by strong very very strong works by Richard Prince by Scott King and by Wolfgang Vogt um, and she her work stands her ground in that moment and you can be sure it is not because you like her as a musician It's because her work is strong, and you can see her handwriting. I mean, it's uh, you. you, you But see I also like that ambiguity that you caused in me, and mm. and I had that walking throughout the mm. exhibition because mm. there are so many. You have that reaction all the time. Am I liking, you know, Tillman's pictures because it's a picture of Nene Cherry, or uh, Patti sure, Smith? Sure, yeah. You know, it's. Um, I I like that you. I think that that makes this exhibition so interesting it's interesting for people who are maybe not necessarily uh, uh, into contemporary art but are into music because there's so much to relate to there's a lot of there because it's great art uh, for people who are very much into contemporary art but maybe not so much who don't know who Kim Gordon is for instance so that is the magic of this exhibition that there's so much stories uh, to be had for every audience member I think um, that said it is 6.30, exactly. That means I am going to thank you for your time and for sharing your conversation for 30 minutes. I thank could have so talked much. for hours I'm uh, next time, hopefully. But then I'm just going to give the floor uh, to DJ Marcella, um, who is bringing her hot mess and her flowers and her records. And I can't wait to see her. Um, thank you, Consol, for inviting Operator to be part of this beautiful exhibition. Um, tomorrow uh, concludes the opening weekend of Black Album White Cube. And then uh, we have, Max, you're going to be DJing actually tomorrow night. Yes. Which is really nice. Uh, and then the guests of the, I have to check my phone because I didn't. Then, oh, Marcella is going to be a guest. And Natasha Allers, who's a great uh, uh, artist. She makes uh, ceramic sculptures that are amazing, but she's also the founder of Grauzone Festival, one of my favorite festivals in the Netherlands. And she'll be at sitting at this table as well to talk about this great exhibition.